You are listening to The Happy Gynecologist with your host, Amanda Miles, MD. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to The Happy Gynecologist podcast, episode number 130, Fawn Mode. All right, y'all. Well, welcome back. I'm so glad to have you here this week. And I wanted to start out real quick to just say thank you to a couple of our listeners out there who left just amazing reviews over on iTunes. Um, and, and I just want you to know, like, they really do mean, uh, so much to me, um, just to know that this podcast is, is helping you or to, uh, just to know that it's making a difference in, um, you know, your life. It's, it means a lot and it definitely is something that helps me keep going, right? Like this is not always the easiest thing. Um, to to fit into a busy OBGYN's life, right? Like this is um, definitely a, one of the most challenging things I've done is, is you know, uh, keep this podcast going and keep it, um, you know, rocking and rolling every week. And, and, you know, there are some weeks where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't done the podcast. And like, when am I going to find time? You know, my brain starts to, to kind of try and run away with me. And I have to remind myself, like, wait, listen, we don't have to get all upset about it. We can just, you know, figure out what we're thinking about it and find a better way. Right. Um, so there's definitely some, some mind management that goes into creating this podcast and putting myself out there, um, for you guys, because it's not easy to be vulnerable here every week. I'm just going to be real honest. It's not. Um, but this has definitely been something that is been a super fun thing in my life as well. I don't want you to think that I, I don't like it. I do. It's so fun and so rewarding, um, to hear that I have, you know, maybe made a difference in your life. Um, I've had so many listeners tell me, yeah, it's like you like are in my head. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess that means that we're all kind of similar in that regard. Um, and so it's definitely been very therapeutic for me too. So I, I won't pretend like I'm just doing it for your, your comments and your reviews on iTunes. No, it's been super, super therapeutic for me as a creative outlet. So, um, I want you to know that I read each of each and every one of these. And also that these reviews help me to not have to pay for annoying ads on here. Um, they help other OBGYNs find it in the algorithm somehow. Um, and so, so the more reviews, the better it is at reaching the people that might really benefit from it. So thank you to everybody out there that has written a review on iTunes. Um, and specifically thank you this week to, um, S G O B G. Um, they write, I love listening to your podcast every Thursday on my drive to work. And some days when I need some extra help, I go back to previous episodes on certain topics. Thank you for sharing this wealth of knowledge. Love it. Yes, you're welcome, SGWG. I um I I feel the same. I will actually go back and look at my notes um from the podcast. I, I have like a note uh app, uh, I guess it's one note or something, and I'll go back and like and like review what I've taught y'all. <laughs> because you know what? Our brains aren't always thinking of that like top of mind, right? And so um, I'll get off on on some other new topic and sometimes completely forget what I've taught y'all. So I'll go back and review it. And every time I'm like, huh, yeah, that's really, that's really helpful, even for me too. <laughs> so I hear you. Um, and then thank you too, to Mom of Three Littles. Um, Mom of Three Littles writes, 
Uh, great podcast for OBGYNs. There's a lot of coaching out there that could be helpful, but she really gets the OBGYN specific stuff. Love her voice, engaging and friendly. Thanks, Amanda. That makes me feel really nice, mom of three littles, because I'm going to be really honest. I have always been very self-conscious about my voice because it is a much lower voice. Um, my friends used to make fun of me in like grade school because I had like this like deep man. I, I feel like I have a deep man voice. And maybe that's just what I'm, what I was always told by, by my, you know, loving friends. Um, and so I've always kind of been self-conscious of that. And so um, it's kind to hear you say that you love that. So I'm so glad. And um, part of that is probably, you know, my wanting to be successful here, my wanting to fit in with y'all. And and so thank you. It does, it does make me feel better to know you guys accept me out there. And that is what we are talking about today. <laughs> We're going to go into when wanting to be accepted is like, is like, like a, an extreme and it shows up as a part of survival mode. Okay. So we are going to be talking about fawn mode today. And so some people call this fawn response or just fawning. There are different words for it too. I've seen other versions, but I like this one the best. So, um, and what it is, is it's kind of this combination of flight, which has you like go, go, going for the sake of others and freeze where you kind of disconnect from your own wants and needs and boundaries in order to fit in. Okay. And it was, you know, there's a couple of ways that people think that this is helpful to us as humans for survival. And one way to think about it is it's, you know, something that was useful to us whenever, say, we were cave dwellers and we needed the safety and the numbers, right? Like, so we would do anything we needed to, to stay a member of the herd, right? A member of the pack, a member of the group, because being isolated means that a predator could like pick you off really easily, right? And so there's this like life-saving um, safety in numbers. And maybe that even means including things we didn't want to do just because we would be safer. Okay. So fond response can be described as when we try to keep the group happy at all costs, because that safety in numbers of having that group is good for our survival. It can also involve if you are posed with an active threat that is like, you know, like a saber-toothed tiger trying to eat you, that you um, that you then start complying with that threat after trying the flight and the fight and the freeze mode without success. Okay, so, you know, we, we may think of it, you know, um, in different ways. Usually, I tend to think of it um, as trying to stay a member of the of the pack. Um, but we do see, you know, it's, it's like trying to comply, right? Trying to diffuse conflict to return to that feeling of safety. So you can kind of think of it, it think of it on many levels, but um, it basically means fawning um, or, or being like overly um, complacent, right? And so how I think, <laughs> how I think that this stress response shows up for a lot of us is maybe we, you know, maybe we already had some of this as growing up with the, the straight A kids, right? We got the gold stars, we got the straight A's, we, you know, read all the books, we, you know, on the list, you could get the personal pan pizza or whatever, you know, we, we did all the things so that we could get that external validation from our loved ones, 
right? We would go above and beyond. And it's possible that some of us may have used this coping mechanism for a long time as, as kind of a means of being seen as the good kid, right? So we also, though, others may have really developed this means of protection, perhaps in med school or residency. And while I think that things are changing for the better now, I think that residency is really a perfect setup to maybe really kind of tune in to the fawn response as kind of this primary way to survive. And the reason for that is, is that we see fawn mode develop more as a survival response in situations where the person is kind of presented with a threat chronically and they can't escape that threat. So in the examples that you read about in books, it's not going to be talking about residency. It's not going to be talking about med school. It's not going to be talking about you know, us high-functioning people. No, it's going to be talking about, you know, children that were abused, right? And that child couldn't leave their home because they were a child, you know, and in some way they, you know, found that if they could just prevent their parents from getting mad or if they could make their parents feel differently, that maybe they could avoid being abused, right? And so we also see it with like intimate partner violence where one partner, you know, controls everything, the financial means. And so the the partner that is on the receiving end of the violence doesn't have a means to escape um, because they feel that they don't have any money, they don't have the car keys, they don't have, you know, whatever, you know. And so that can then, you know, come out as fawn response, like trying to appease the abuser to stop the abuse, right? Um, and so it's it's that kind of that thing, like whenever you're presented with a threat and you've tried the other stuff, it didn't work, and you're still stuck in this situation, then fawn response can come out, okay? And it's this totally subconscious thing, y'all. Okay, so I don't want you to think about like, yeah, but like, why do I do this? Like, why, you know, or, or I wish I could just fight, you know, um, this is just something our brains kind of do on autopilot. Okay. And so while I'm not saying that residency or med school physically abused us, like being an abused child or being in, in a relationship where there's intimate partner violence, I am not saying that, you know, we were not physically abused via violent acts, usually, it is definitely a similar type of relationship where we at least felt, we truly felt that we could not leave because, you know, after going through med school and then going through the match, we were lucky to have the spot we had, right? And we had hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans, so we couldn't quit now. (laughs) And we've already gone through med school, so why would we, you know, we can't leave because then we won't have a job and we've already come all this way. And so we, you know, we're definitely kind of in that type of setting where we couldn't escape and we were then exposed to chronic physical, emotional, and psychological stress every single day for at least four years, right? And while it wasn't the same as being in an abusive relationship, 
it definitely had similar effects on many people's brains, okay? Remember, our brain doesn't have to be being chased by a lion to feel like we're in danger. As long as our brain perceives something as the threat, that's all that counts, okay? If our brain perceives, you know, running for the stat C-section and there's like blood everywhere, if our brain perceives that as stressful, then okay, <laughs> we're there. It's the same, you know, kind of the same effect on our on our brains, okay? And so with all of this, I'm not trying to trigger anyone. I'm not trying to bring up memories that are painful here. Um, and so, but I want you to know that if you relate strongly to this podcast or any of the last few that we've done, just know that you are not broken. You are not alone. Um, you're not messed up. You're not, you know, um, you're not in the wrong. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with you if, if you relate to all of this is really what I want you to know. Okay. Because whenever I started learning about the flood response, I really related to this. And I was, I was really taken aback. I was just like, like, oh my God, this is my entire operating code. Whenever I started learning about what the fawn response was. And I got really sad because I actually, I began to realize that I didn't know who I really was or what I really wanted in life. Okay. And, you know, how the fawn response initially showed up was, like, like stuff like, you know, my nurse would ask me, well, what do you want the drug rep to bring for lunch? I'd be like, oh, whatever you guys want. I'll eat anything. I'll eat anything. I'm easy, right? I'm laid back. Or if surgery asked me, like, hey, uh, do you like this instrument set that the other OBGYNs use or do we need to change it? And I'd be like, oh, no, whatever's easiest for you to pull. Like, don't change it just for me if that's what everybody uses. No, don't worry about it. Right? <laughs> Or when the front desk would ask, this these are all real examples, exact examples, okay? <laughs> the front desk would come to me, and I remember one example, and they said, hey, um, one of your patients just showed up, and it was an hour and a half later than their appointment time, um, so-and-so just showed up, but I know you're supposed to leave in a minute to go to your doctor's appointment. What do you want me to tell her? And I said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'll see her. I'll see her. Don't worry about it. Um, and I'll just reschedule my appointment. Right. And the kicker there was that th that was the second time I rescheduled my own doctor's appointment. <laughs> and I vividly remember that. Um, or maybe uh, I, I remember a patient um, had asked me, and this wasn't just maybe one patient, maybe several patients. Um, asked me for a prescription for something that I wasn't used to prescribing and that was probably outside of my scope. Um, and I didn't really think twice. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Let me send that to your pharmacy. <laughs> I think it was I, maybe not outside my scope, but like something I'd never prescribed before um, for weight loss. And I was just like, um, yeah, 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 I can send that. Um, and they'd never been on it. And I was like, well, I can look it up. It'll be okay. I'll look it up on Medscape and, <laughs> and it'll be fine. And, but like not, not even questioning. I was just like, yep, sure. Let me send that. So that's how I really operated. And not just at work, all the same stuff at home, <laughs> in my personal life, in my relationships, 
Like, where do you want to eat on date night? Oh, I don't care. Anything, you know? And not just in the way that, like, men make fun of women for. Like, I really couldn't decide. I didn't, I didn't want to have an opinion, right? And so I began to really realize that I didn't know who I really was. I felt like I had no idea who I was or what I liked or what I really wanted in life. And one of the hardest things that my coach assigned me to do whenever I first started getting coached that brought all of this up (laughs) was she wanted me to list like 25 things that I wanted in my life. Like 25 things that I wanted to achieve or I wanted to do or I wanted to have so that I could consider my life like, yeah, this is a great life. And, you know, so she, she asks me these, you know, this and we, we start working on it and, and I can only list three. (laughs) And so I remember that, like I, you know, could name three right off the bat. I was like, I want to be a loving parent and a loving wife and I want to have a good job. And really, even whenever I answered those things, I answered because I knew that I was supposed to say those things, right? That's like the easy stuff that we're supposed to all want, right? And that that's like what normal people would say. <laughs> so even in coming up with those three things, I wasn't actually considering if I wanted those three things. I was just saying those three things because I knew that's what I was supposed to say. And I didn't want to get an F on this assignment with my coach and disappoint her or, you know, not say anything. And she thinks that I'm like a weirdo, right? So I had to say something. That's kind of where my mind was at, okay? So we didn't get very far. We got three out of the 25 <laughs> on our on our coaching session. So she sent me home to think about this for the next week. And I had a really, really hard time with that. I didn't know. Um, And, you know, whenever my session came around one week later, I was still staring at this paper with those three things and then 22 empty spaces. And I was freaking out, y'all. I actually almost canceled on my coach because I was like, I haven't finished this assignment. And um, I'm going to be in trouble. Or I was like, I was so ashamed (laughs) that I hadn't been able to come up with other things that I actually wanted. And I felt like I was a complete failure at that point in time. I really, really did. And in that moment, I also knew that, you know, that that was the point, right? Not to feel like a failure, but that this was hard for me. And I, I think she knew that it was going to be hard for me and that I needed to be coached on this. And so I also knew in that moment that she was not going to judge me or grade me and that I was the one that was like judging myself and calling myself a failure. I knew that she would never call me a failure, right? And and that's the beauty of a good coach, y'all, by the way, like side note, if you are looking for a coach, you need to find someone that truly fits you, like someone that you feel comfortable with that you know will always believe in you way more than you believe in yourself, <laughs> okay? Meaning like you want a coach that has no doubt that you're a badass even whenever you're feeling like the exact opposite, okay? Because that's what I could lean on in that moment. Like, okay, I'm the one judging myself for being a failure, for not knowing, you know, whatever I'm supposed to know about myself, And, but she's not going to judge me because she's always rooting for me. (laughs) So I can lean on that. Thank goodness. So I showed up 
with my blank paper. And of course, she had zero judgments or criticisms. And we made a plan to figure out what I even liked and what my preferences were, because I really didn't know y'all. Um, I think I've told this story to y'all before about around that time, one of my children asked what my favorite color was, because, you know, that's important to little kids. And I really didn't know the answer. I didn't know what colors I liked anymore. <laughs> I So I set out, you know, with a new assignments to decide or discover what I even liked and to start just making decisions, starting with, what's my favorite color? (laughs) What kind of music is my favorite? What's my favorite song? You know, like being like a little kid, like, hey, what's your favorite snack? What's your favorite? It's maybe like a little kid or maybe like that. God, which Julia Roberts movie was that? Was it Runaway Bride? Where she like always ordered the eggs like her partner. And then, then she had to, she like, you know, ran away. I think that was the Runaway Bride one. Then she has to like figure out what kind of eggs she likes. Like, Uh, And she orders all these different types of eggs so she can decide what she really likes, right? And so that's essentially where I started working on this was really like deciding what I like and what I didn't. And I, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you that was a really fun assignment once I got to just say, okay, well, I'm gonna make a list of my favorite things and I get to decide just like a little kid decides this is my favorite. This is my favorite snack. (laughs) Right. And so, or, you know, this is my favorite meal. This is my favorite restaurant. Um, and just like making a list like you would, um, as a little kid, like what are you, you know, you're writing to your pen, your pen pal. I don't even know if they still have pen pals out there, y'all. I don't know. But, um, writing to your pen pal, like my favorite, you know, color is this, my favorite sport is this, you know, having that, was something I'd been missing for, I felt like years. And so I, I think because I had been stuck in this mode for so long where I just kind of went with the flow and I didn't have any opinion at all. And mostly because I didn't want to rock the boat at all, ever. (laughs) I didn't want anybody around me to ever be disappointed or upset or angry because I had really, somehow connected my actions with other people's feelings and my worth with other people's feelings. So I'd connected like, like if someone was disappointed in the lunch that I picked, that meant that I was like a sucky lunch picker. (laughs) I was like a sucky person, (laughs) right? So that's what I made that mean, you know, and I would try to predict other people's emotions and change my response ahead of time. Like with the surgery set, I didn't want someone to be put out with having to do extra work because I made that mean that they would then be put out with me, right? So even though they were really asking for my preference because that's what they want to do to help, right? I I wouldn't give it for the fear that they would have to do more work and eventually end up being annoyed with me, right? Um, even though <laughs> they were asking, even though they were actually very happy to make the changes, they really were, my brain was so stuck in fawn mode that I, I would, you know, be trying to avoid their potential to be upset, right? And what I also know about fawn mode is that I was definitely feeling other people's emotions a lot and trying to predict their emotions and avoid them having negative emotions, like trying to control how they felt um, by how I interacted with them. 
okay? That's what fawn mode is all about. You know, it's people pleasing. I'm trying to keep them happy with me, right? By taking these actions and trying to fawn, right? And in doing that, you know, I didn't know at the time I couldn't keep anybody happy because I can't, you know, there's no way to actually do that because people have their own thoughts and feelings, right? They have their own thoughts that make them happy or unhappy. <laughs> and in doing that, I was never feeling my own feelings, right? I was avoiding them actually. Um, and I was mostly functioning from a place of probably fear, anxiety, right? And, and shame. And so I would stuff all that down constantly, of course, because <laughs> who wants to feel any of that? That's what I used to think, right? And an important here, an important point here is that whenever you're in fawn mode, you're taking these actions from a place of fear or anxiety or worry, not because you are feeling connection with someone, not because you're feeling compassion for them, not because you want to take good care of them, okay? So there's a huge difference in, in fawn mode or people pleasing or, you know, um, from those places of, of kind of being uh, in that place to survive versus doing things to, you know, be loving or to be caring or to be connected with another person. Okay. Whenever you are like, oh no, honey, let's eat at your favorite restaurant um, because it's your birthday. That's different. Okay. If you're trying to um, like show someone just like a really loving birthday dinner and you want them to pick because you're excited and they get to pick their favorite place, okay, that's different, right? Like, but if you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't have a preference. I'm, I'm laid back. I'm easy. I can eat whatever because you don't want them to be upset with you or you don't want them to, you know, judge your opinion. That's, that's fun. Okay. So this can also look like a lot of other things. And, you know, I want you to see if any of this sounds familiar. Okay. So this can also look like apologizing for things that don't really require an apology or just saying sorry out of habit almost like just apologizing for things that don't need apology apologies for okay um, not having boundaries for yourself taking on too much which leads to overwhelm and resentment avoiding conversations that might be hard or confrontational or difficult right not asking for what you really want or on the same level not advocating for yourself this can look like overcommitting and overworking. It doesn't just have to be at work either, y'all. You could be overcommitting to to your kids. You could be overcommitting to things you're promising, you know, you'll do for your your mom, right? To try and keep her happy. This can look like trying to keep patients happy by practicing in a way you normally wouldn't. So sending that prescription that you don't really feel that comfortable sending. Um, doing a surgery you don't even feel that comfortable uh, doing things like that, okay, just to try and keep them happy with you. Adding them on <laughs> despite, you know, being an hour and a half late, right? Um, those types of things, okay? Avoiding conflict by being agreeable or by not voicing your real opinion. It's kind of like, you know, you want to avoid conflict by just agreeing or just by defaulting to oh, I don't have an opinion by staying quiet, right? You still have an opinion maybe, but you, you hold it in, right? To try and keep others happy, 
This can look like prioritizing everyone else's needs before your own or at the sacrifice of your own. Um, it can look like finding difficulty in saying no when someone asks you to cover or someone asks you to add on a patient or take on more work or just in general. Maybe it's you have a hard time saying no anywhere in your life. That was me. I used to not be able to say no. Like if someone asked me like, hey, can I borrow whatever? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, that's my favorite pen. <laughs> it's a, if it's like a pen, you know, like I couldn't say no. Of course, I would like give it to them and then give you give them my other favorite pen. <laughs> that would be like my my emo, right? So, um, this can also show up as perfectionism. Okay, whenever we are, you know, doing things through perfectionism, we're trying to keep everything perfect so no one will know that we aren't perfect reject us, right? Um, it can show up like overworking to try and prove your worth. So earning more RVUs to prove your worth or accomplishing more to prove that you're good enough. It can show up and look like a lot of feelings of guilt. Remember guilt is I did something bad or shame, which is I am bad, right? Or I'm not good enough, which maybe then you stuff down or you avoid feeling, <laughs> It also comes with a lot of self-judgment and criticism, right? Remember, I was thinking my my coach was going to give me an F <laughs> for not knowing. And really, that was all self-generated criticisms and judgments. This can look like being disconnected from your own emo- emotions internally, but being very aware of the people around you and if they're happy or unhappy, Okay. So it can show up in so many ways, y'all. Um, and I, I think that a lot of us can relate to this. So, and that's why this is so important. But fawn mode in general, I think, is just very important as we talk about burnout, right? So first, it leads us to overwork. It leads us to take on more, overcommit. And in the process, it leads us to ignore our own needs in favor of doing those things or keeping others' needs met, Right. This then causes us to have less rest. It, it leads to us meeting our own needs less and even more burnout. So it's kind of this cycle, right, of survival mode begets burnout, which begets more survival mode, <laughs> right? So whichever of the types of survival mode you identify with most, it really is this kind of nasty cycle um, of leading to more survival mode. Um, for me, it was a lot of fawn mode. <laughs> Secondly, while fawn mode is aimed at keeping others happy, what actually happens when we say yes and we are overly agreeable is that we then begin to get overwhelmed <laughs> and start to feel resentment towards those people that we're interacting with. Okay, so whenever we agree to something to keep someone else happy, at the expense of ourselves or at the expense of our happiness or at the expense of our own opinion, we end up essentially, it's, we're essentially like living a lie almost, right? We're like, no, I'm happy to do that. Internally, we're like, not really. I hate this, (laughs) right? So then we end up with a lot of resentment and resentment leads to disconnection from others. It leads to a lot of avoidance can lead to procrastination. So when we go into fawn mode, even though the purpose is to stay in the herd or to make up with that threat, right? To 
to keep everybody happy, what really happens is that we end up isolating and being more disconnected. Okay. And the problem with being more disconnected is that that alone can increase burnout because positive, meaningful connection decreases burnout. Right. So that's why I think that this is so important to to start becoming aware of, to start noticing, um, to start kind of watching in yourself. Okay. Um, where are the areas that you see this in yourself? Where are the areas that you see the other survival modes? Remember, we've talked about fight, flight, and freeze. Start asking yourself, where do I see this show up in my life? Where is it helping me? Where is it not helping me? Okay, because guess what? Survival mode helps us, okay? I don't want you to think that we need to like get rid of all these things, okay? Because these are helpful to us as human beings, but we don't want to get stuck there, right? So if anything that we talked about in today's episode resonated with you, I want you to plan to join me on April 15th at 9 a.m. And we are going to be talking about how to get out of survival mode. Okay. You are not going to want to miss this. Even if you're busy that day, go and register so I can send you the replay so you won't miss out because this is such important information. And I'm going to be telling you some really, really cool things. I'm going to be teaching you some cool stuff. So go register over at coach-miles.com forward slash coffee. And that way you get the Zoom link and the replay sent to your email. I'll also be answering questions at the end. So if you have any questions that have come up over the last few weeks, um, if you have any questions just about, you know, OBGYN life in general, right, at work or at home, I'll be answering them. So bring them with you. I'll also be talking about the next round of the Happy Gynecologist group if you are interested. Um, if for those that are new here, that is my um, coaching group. Um, that that I uh, coach as well. And so um, I've had a couple of people reach out recently. So I will be answering um, some questions about that and telling you a little bit about that at the very, very end. So if you want to learn more about that, you can stay on. If not, no biggie. You can hop off the call uh, for that part. So, but you got to go register, okay? Coach-miles.com forward slash coffee. So we can have coffee together on April 15th at 9 a.m. And I can teach you how to get out of survival mode and stay out. All right, friends, I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always get more free help from me by going to my website, www.coach-miles.com and clicking on free resources. If this work has helped you and you're interested in learning more about getting out of burnout and up-leveling your life as an OBGYN, definitely check out my six-month coaching program, The Happy Gynecologist Group. You can always get more information on my website, coach-miles.com.